Hello and welcome to Father Figures, a show about fatherhood, uncommon fathers, fathers of all stripes. Here we explore the risks and rewards, the, the joys and the griefs of being a dad. I'm your host, Stephen Amaya, and this show is a bit of a departure from the usual show in that our guest is a woman. When it comes right down to it, it should be no surprise that uh, women have fathers too. So here's what happened. As you know, I'm always on safari looking for fathers of all stripes, so I figured there might be some hanging around the local senior center. It's a watering hole for a certain segment of the species, so I go in, I sit down at the big table where the seniors read the morning paper and drink the coffee and eat the pastry, and I open up my mouth and I ask if there are any fathers present who'd like to talk about the experience of being a dad on the radio. You could have cut the lack of enthusiasm with a knife. But there was one voice that spoke up. One voice rose above the shyness. A local bar owner, a female. She says, you should talk about what it's like when your husband dies or when he runs out on you. Talk about what it's like to fill that void. What it's like to raise kids when your father figure is gone. Hmm. It was an offer I couldn't refuse. So, a few days later, a guy with a microphone walks into a bar. I was born in Canby, Oregon. I went to high school in Portland, though, Portland, Oregon. Spent most of my life in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. And what brought you here? I liked a small town. Um, it... I wanted to be in a smaller town because uh, I was having a health issue uh, and I thought it would be easier for me to get around with my health issue. And I grew up in a small town, lived in a small town before. At one point I lived in Westport, Washington. And um, that's what I'm used to. It's what I like. I like being in a small town. How, how old were you when you came to a small to, town? To here? To here I came in 2012. My dad and I came. I was right. taking care of my dad, and he and I wanted to be at the coast, somewhere near the coast, and so we moved to Warrington. All right. So what was your, what was your childhood like? Was it? Uh, my childhood was not idyllic. I was raised by two alcoholics, and, and then I get, open up a wine bar. Isn't that interesting? Anyway, um, it was okay. It was, I wasn't dirt poor or anything like that, but just two alcoholics is an interesting. Did you have brothers and sisters? Yes. I have a sister that's younger than I and a brother that's younger than I. So I'm the oldest. So I'm kind of the one in charge at all times. <laughs> the eldest of three. The eldest of three. All right. So what was your father like when you were growing up? My father was a hard worker, worked a lot, had a very hard work ethic, which I learned from him, really sound worth ethic. Um, he liked to do things, he was fun, he was personable. I really try to emulate him in that regard too. I like to be around people, which is what he liked to be. He liked to be in customer service, he was a grocer. And, well, yeah, he was a pretty good guy. He had very high standards for being honest, 
working hard. My mother worked full time. Oh. I was pretty much left in charge of my brother and sister. She worked full time. She was, um, I don't want to say she was a funster, but she liked to get around. <laughs> Meaning she had a car? Oh, she can't listen. <laughs> yes, she had a car. <laughs> and she worked at a car dealership <laughs> in Portland. So there were quite a few nights she didn't come home at night. And yeah, I was the one in charge most of the time. Wow. wow. My what? dad worked swing shift. So when we get home from school, he would not be home until later. And then they both worked in the Portland area and we lived in Canby which was a good 45 minutes at that time drive back to Canby. So they, he didn't get home until after we were already gone to bed. So it was mostly me taking care of yeah. my brother and sister. Yeah. Now, did you ever go to work with him? I did not. I am the yeah. only one out of the three kids that didn't go to work with him. My brother and sister both worked with him at different grocery stores, but I never worked in the grocery industry. I always worked in different types of things. I was a hairdresser for years, and that was my side of customer service. Because I'm more creative, I need to do things. How old were? Oh no, you were you were older when you moved here. But okay, where were you when you um, encountered parenthood for the first time on your, your in own, Portland? You, in, in Portland, Portland area. All right. So you you married and you met a man? I or? got married from someone in high school that I went to high school with, and we got married. We had two kids. He unfortunately passed away when he, when he was 34. And then um, I married again, and he wasn't really very interested in my kids. And he ended up taking off for someone else. And after that... I was with my kids by myself. Okay. So you, your first husband, you were married for how long? We were married for probably seven years. Yeah, yeah. We were together for at least seven, eight years. Yeah. Ten years. Okay. Around there. But he was very young. My kids were five and eight when he passed away. Yeah. And he had been sick for quite a while. So he started getting sick when I was pregnant with my second child so he I was taking care of both kids he still worked but it must have been really hard it was interesting <laughs> no I said hard <laughs> <laughs> I for some reason I don't like to say hard it was interesting you, you know yeah. it's just a different it scenario and you have to change and do things a little differently yeah. and at that time I wasn't working but I always tried to get back to work when kids were, when I was able to with kids. Because I suppose I'm a workaholic. Okay. All right. I didn't go the alcoholic way. I went the, the workaholic work way. way. Yeah. But it's, a, you're, you're, it's more productive. You're driven to do something, whether it's... Oh, I got to do something. Yeah. I got to be in control of something. Okay. All right. All right. So, so you... you 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 married and you lost your first husband. Yes. And uh, you must have gone through a lot of grief. You know the the cycles of grief. You you know are you aware of the you know like yes the, yeah the yeah depression anger bargaining yeah. Yeah, yeah and we 
he had been healthy and we had separated, but then he got sick again and passed away. So we, it, it, I, it was grief, yes, because I spent a good deal of time with him in my life and my kids, I, they were his kids and he was a big part of my life, but I just, we had had problems before he had gotten sick and they just made them worse. So yeah, I must be honest about that because, but I didn't really, I thought he was going to have a full lifetime and yeah. So when you, when, when you found your second husband, was that in order to sort of help out your life? I mean, uh, no, that was, that was just pure craziness because I was crazy about this person and would just wouldn't, would do, go and do whatever, basically to a limit. Uh His, I turned into that wife because in all honesty, I'd grown up wanting to be, because I was right there on the tail end of the nuclear family, mother, father, woman going and doing the housework and all of that. And I enjoyed that kind of stuff, but I was on the tail end of that. So I kind of thought I needed a husband. It was kind of ingrained in my head in certain ways. It wasn't, it was before um, feminism took a big hold of society and always liked to work because I like to do things. So, but I, I was hoping to be a slash mother wife when in my second marriage, but it didn't work out that way. How long, how long did that marriage last? Nine years. Nine years. Okay. What, uh, what killed it? He liked a lot of women. <laughs> He liked to go, get around. He had a car, too. <laughs> <laughs> Did you try to be a uh, mother and father at the same time ever in, in, your, in your career as a parent? When I was married, it started basically when I was married to my second husband because, as I said, he wasn't that interested in my children after we s- split. Because my daughter was five years old when her dad died. But she was two years old when I met my second husband because we had been apart. So she knew him all of her life. But when he left me, he left her too. Never saw him, never again. And so he never really took on that responsibility of being a father to my children. So did you compensate? Yes, of course. How did you compensate? Because in my naive way, I think of, compensation being more masculine and disciplinarian right and when i talked to my son to interview him for this we had a chat about that Uh is it a is a father a masculine is a mother feminine Mm -hmm. and that's how we've all believed and feel it is Mm -hmm. i guess it's nurturing Mm -hmm. that kind of thing but not every person is a nurturer and so that's what my son and i came up with and he uh, felt that, and I had said to him, I, I think that it would have been more of a nurturer. I felt had, I had felt bad about not being more of a nurturer, that I was more of a disciplinarian and tried to make sure I knew what they were going on, what they were doing. And because I, I mean, I like to have fun. And so I know what people are up to and I mm-hmm. knew what they would be up to. So I kept a I kept a pretty strict eye on them. My daughter feels that I was really strict, and I'm surprised at that. But yeah, 
I didn't think I was that th strict. But, it, and it's really, it is a good question. Is it a masculinity issue or a feminine issue? Because it's just whoever steps up to the bat is what I think. Do you think your, your children suffered for, for a lack of a father? My, when I talked with my son, he said that he feels that people need a father and a mother. They need two parents in their life. And I believe that's true, too. It doesn't always happen that way, though, unfortunately. And I had both parents, but I don't feel that I was necessarily raised by both of them. I just, I get a lot of my parenting from my father. In which ways more? The work of that, comp that compensation or the grief of your loss? Or are they the same thing? Neither one of them weigh on me. I never, I, I, I don't like to go, oh, I wish it had been like this. Or I, I really don't ever think that way. I'm kind of a real pretty much take charge, so I just try to make the best of the situation. Uh -huh. That's the way I feel. I sometimes, I do, I will wallow in something, but I don't think either one of them weighs very hard on me at all. Sometimes when, when I'm looking back and thinking that maybe I should have been more like a, a mother-style type of person, no. when I, sometimes when people, well, somebody, because you know, having a business, somebody's always telling you, you know what you should do. And that's kind of a joke between me and all of my friends that own businesses. Well, you know what you should do. Or you should do this or something like that. And I say, you know, bigger men than you have tried to control me. And it hasn't worked yet. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Now, if you could have a do-over on some decision you made in your life, what would it be for? What would it be? And well, to be honest, and nothing against my children, but I would have liked to have gone to school earlier in my in my youth. I ended up getting an associate degree from Classup Community College, which is great. And it helped me with my business, putting it together. It all works when it's supposed to, I understand that. But I'd always wanted to get some kind of degree and I wished I would have gone and been more independent when I was younger and not thought that I needed to get married because I'm not very good at picking them, obviously. So if I, I wished I had been a little bit more stronger in my, in my confidence department, as far as that goes. But that's, that's really understandable considering you come from alcoholic parents. It, you start losing your marbles and you, you wish you would have played more with them. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it, and that's when I did end up going to college, I really pushed myself and challenged myself. And I would have never done that at that age. I never did that in school, ever. But I also did it to show my kids, look, this, see what I can do? Mm -hmm. I did. I don't, because that's, my, and my kids are the most important thing in my life. But I do a lot of things. I mean, even this bar. Mm -hmm. Look what I can do. Right. And they, I still get... Oh, mom, you're you sh you're getting older. You should you should sell the bar. Well, then what the heck would I do? <laughs> Who would I push around then? <laughs> if you're just joining us here on KMUN Community Radio, we're speaking with Rebecca Kraft, owner of Winecraft in Astoria. We're discussing fatherhood 
the absence of fatherhood, and what it can be like when we do without it, when we try to find it, and how our kids can feel about it. We're speaking at her bar on Pier 11. Right. <laughs> what, what are you most proud of as a parent? As a parent, I'm most proud of, well, both my children, they both had their ups and downs, but I'm really proud of them that they're, that I think they're decent people. Um, they're not perfect, but none of us are. Brad, my son was telling me when I did this little interview with him about this before I talked to you today, that it made me feel good, proud of the fact that he said I tried to put some male influence into his life by encouraging to go, him to go into service. Well, and then when he went into service, right after he graduated from boot camp, 9-11 happened, I thought, what the hell did I do? And, but he, he feels like he got a lot out of it, and he got a lot of male confidence from it. Um, my daughter... I'm working, she's, we're working on it right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm proud of her no matter what, but yeah. 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 Um, all right, last question. Is there anything we missed? And, and I'm, I'm curious about this interview you had with your son. And is there anything else you'd like to, to say about this? About that? About, about, about that or just fatherhood? Like what advice would you have for, um, a man who wanted to be a good father. What would you say to him? Spend time with your kids. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. That's what they want. I think that's what I think they want. That's what I've always felt is the main thing. He, My son did tell me, he said, well, you know, you work 24-7. And so there again, I should have spent more time with them. I would have spent more time with them. I took them camping. We went to nice places. We did a lot of fun things. But time, time, because it goes away. It's that whole cats in the cradle song, you know. I just think yeah. it's a big thing. And then they know they, that you love them and care about them. Okay. And uh, why did you separate from your first husband? You know, he was, he was ill. But... Well, the, I just learned this recently. Because I grew up in an alcoholic household, I... I'm used to alcoholism, and he was a, a basically non-drinker, so he wasn't fun. <laughs> so that was my doing, and I just learned that recently. He's the only person I had a relationship with that wasn't an alcoholic, and so he wasn't fun. And you just learned that? By... I just learned that by going to, um, uh, going to Al-Anon meetings. Yeah. After you were married to a guy you were crazy about, what feelings went through you when he took off? Extremely hurt. Yeah. Extremely hurt. It took me years to get over. Um, Did you have relationships with, with other men? To some, to and I had a tendency to be in relationships with um, unattainable men. Yeah. So, because I didn't want that to happen again, because it was, it was one of the biggest heartaches of my life. Yeah. Well, it was the biggest heartache of my life, but yeah. Okay. Where do you get your workaholism? 
from my mother, my grandmother. <laughs> and I find it keeps my mind off of things better than alcohol. I can function and I'm very, um, like to be productive. When, my, when I was taking care of my dad the last three years of his life, we'd go into Portland and I'd do a lot of haircuts and on our way back, was it a productive day, Becky? I'd say, yes, Dad, it was a productive day. And that was the best day, as if it was productive. So I'm very, I like to be productive. Yeah. Um, now, can you help me define what masculinity and femininity are? I mean, uh, Hi. Um, and, and do you see toxic masculinity? Oh, of course. You do? What is it? It is... Well, of course, we're in that era now with the Me Too movement where ma toxic masculinity is not caring about women's ideas, feelings, um, talking down to some, to some women that women aren't as intelligent as they are because, oh, it must be a girl because they're not as intelligent. Oh, that's a girl thing. That's toxic masculinity to me. Um, now, do you think it's possible, uh, how, how could you define mature masculinity? Well, I think mature masculinity is someone who has learned from their life and learned if they have made mistakes with women, that they've learned from them. Um, it's kind of hard to put into words, but you know, a caring individual who cares about just not just women, but everyone, everyone, um, any that anyone that's sympathetic to or empathetic to LGBTQ people, anybody that they're not trying to put themselves better than that they everybody is equal. That's a mature masculine to me. That's good. Um. What force is more predominant in your life, um, personality or gender? Personality. Personality. <laughs> yeah, personality. Definitely personality. I tell. I think to myself, I'm just here to entertain myself, and if somebody else is entertained, then good. Because that's. I'm just. Yeah, it's all about personality around me. Now, since you since you've had a responsibility to care for your young siblings. Did you ever feel resentment over having to raise your own kids? No. No? No. You learned then from... I just, it's always felt natural to me. I've never had any resentment or anything like that because I helped raise two stepchildren too and my kids. But I did let my kids know that if they were to have kids, I wasn't raising them. Yeah. <laughs> it was my turn <laughs> to yeah. be my life yeah. and not be the caregiver. I've yeah. never resented it. I think my brother and sister may have resented somewhat of me taking taking the lead on things. So, but I can't speak for them and how they feel. Okay. Of all the fathers you've experienced in your life, which which would you like to have an apology from and what would he say? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. That's a hard one to answer. I'd have to think about it. I think on, to, if I were honest, I'd want one from my second husband, an apology from him, but he's now passed away, so that's not going to happen. But apology from him, 
to my kids for not being there when their dad had passed away and, and being more of a father figure to them because they needed it. And I was always looking for that for them and in him, but he wasn't capable. So I would like, I would have liked an apology from that. People say absence makes the heart grow fonder, but it seems to me that if you've ever felt loss, you know it can make the heart go in all kinds of directions, sometimes all at once. You, you can appreciate and resent someone at the same time. How, you might ask? I think it has something to do with love, but don't quote me on that. I'm not an authority. It's a new year. Some of us may be trying to turn over a new leaf. That is good. Do that hard thing. There are scrapes, but then every creature that ever crawled up from slimy seas never got anywhere without a little friction. (laughs) So as we start this new year, turn over an hourglass every once in a while and watch how fast the sand falls, or listen to a clock in a quiet room. That's the kind of TikTok that may require the most attention. When you do a show like this, there are some unknowns. First of all, for the most part, I don't know who you are. This is a given for radio, but I'd like to remedy that. Drop me a line at radioranchero at gmail.com. It'll make this a better show. I also want to say something about this community. Years ago, I came from a big city. It was huge. It seemed to have everything. Big TV stations, big radio stations, giant houses, everything was big. That, I'm happy to say is impossible here. And I I don't think you'd want it to be possible here either. What is possible here is KMUN, a place where a guy with a microphone can go out and find someone who means something to the community. In the big city, we're all small people, but in this small place, it's not that we're big people, it's that we're a real community. Our voices are known and heard as neighbors, and good neighbors are always large in our lives. That's why shows like this exist. We are all neighbors, even our listeners overseas on the Internet. So thank you for giving a listen to your neighbors. It's right neighborly. Here are some fun facts. Fathers who are present improve their children's mental health, high school graduation rates and levels, social skills literacy, and lower the risks of teen pregnancy and drug use, according to the journal Demography. And this is a series of outcomes that would uh, seem pretty obvious. Even three-year-olds with involved dads score more highly on tests of cognitive development. No surprise there. In Georgia, mortality rates were two times higher for infants with no fathers listed on their birth certificates, according to the Journal of Science and Medicine in January of 1999. What I was reminded of in this interview was the fragility of life with the introduction of death and diseases, not to mention abandonment, but at the same time its resilience, our ability to keep going in the face of adversity, and I I would be remiss if I didn't mention the resilience of children, how they cope and keep going. And this fragility is seemingly at every turn, and yet we go on, which can only say that we as a species, as well as individuals, go on with hope in our hearts. And so before I open up with a chorus of You'll Never Walk Alone, uh, let me just say that uh, what a pleasure it is to be here and do this, and your feedback has been an honor to receive.
Thanks for listening. I'd like to thank Rebecca Kraft for her willingness to be a guest on the show. I'd also like to thank Jason Shaw and Audionautics.com for the music. Any comments or questions, drop me a line at RadioRanchero at gmail.com. Until next time, remember the days may be long, but the years are short. Bye-bye.